Hello, my pod. I'm Cree Hugh, son of Tom Hugh, and welcome to this very special Man of Steel spoilers special Empire podcast special. Over the next hour or so, we'll be discussing the ins, outs, whys, and wherefores of Zack Snyder's Superman reboot with Snyder himself and writer David S. Goyer, and we'll also be chewing the fat over the whole damn thing ourselves. For that, I'm joined by Dan Jolin, Kryptonian name, Dojo, the man who wrote Empire's four-star review of Man of Steel, Ali Plum, Kryptonian name, A. Plums, who interviewed Zack Snyder for the podcast, and Helen O'Hara, Kryptonian name, Helen O'Hara, who jumped in for the interview with David S. Goyer. How are you all? You all good? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, we're going to be nattering for about 30 to 40 minutes, then the Snyder-Goyer interviews will be placed at the end if you want to skip on past our ramblings. <laughs> so, uh, shall we begin? Um, I'm going to point out, first of all, before we start, this is an interesting mix of people, because you three guys all loved or really liked Man of Steel, and I'm in the opposite camp, so please don't gang up at me too much. But uh, hey ho! So uh, Dan, let's let's start off with you. Your general thoughts on general sort of thoughts on, on the film. You, you're you're very yeah. Much I was I was largely positive. Um, I really enjoyed it as a, a, an absolutely huge, intricate sci-fi spectacular. Yeah. Um, which I really don't feel I've I've seen from this character. Uh, or this, I suppose, this franchise in its incarnate, various incarnations before. So, uh, I, actually, I've got to confess, my favourite stuff was was the opening stuff on Krypton. You know, I kind of felt, I think I said something along these lines in my review, I kind of felt that, you know, you've got a film that starts with Russell Crowe flying a four-winged dragon across blasted skies mm. with a shattered moon in the background. You kind of, you know where you're going. Shattered moon, first of all, is the theme of the year. Uh, this is now the third film this year where we've seen a shattered moon in I, the sky. Wow. I completely missed do you know the name? <laughs> do you know the name of the shattered moon? Not on, the one uh, of Krypton. Next to Krypton. No. Wegthor. Yeah, I agree. Um, any any planet that has four-winged dragons should surely be placed on some kind of planet preservation list, mm, yeah. which means that it wouldn't explode. <laughs> yeah. You know, know. Where were the Green Lantern right? Corps when Krypton exploded? That's what I want to know. That's It'll a be, genuinely good question. Uh, I apologise. That that's, 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 a, that's a relevant question, but going back to what I thought of the film... Um, I did like the fact that, you know, it wasn't... There were a few Easter eggs which we'll come on to, but it, it wasn't trying to do the kind of, oh, JLA, we're going to do JLA. Sorry, Justice League, America. Or anything like that. It was self-contained. It treated Superman as the, uh, well, for a while, the only Kryptonian on the planet, and then yeah. one of just a few, and, well, I don't want to spoil the end. Mm. Um, oh, God, it's a spoiler podcast. It's a spoiler podcast. I'm so yeah, used so, to not spoiling things. So, yes, things. You, sh- you should spoil the end. And, yes, and then he was the only Kryptonian again. Oh, I could say it. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> or is he? Or is he? Or Probably. is he? Or is he? Um, uh, yeah, and I kind of thought it was interesting that... Um, wasn't about Clark Kent really or rather I kind of guess that started before I like the way it started before he's at the Daily Planet yeah. so you have a different structure to it basically from, from all took place before. before he's yeah. at the Daily Planet this was um, kind of Smallville writ large um, I guess I never watched Smallville eh. so I couldn't really <laughs> I couldn't really compare it I mean I enjoyed it Smallville had its moments. but exactly it, it's a bit yeah. of a okay Okay, I'm more of a Lois and Clark generation. Yeah, I also watched that. I kind of, I, I, I was, I was really proud of myself. Can I be boastful? Mm-hmm. I was really proud of myself because months and months and months ago, I predicted the end of the film. I, and I, was, I was really happy. In, in other words, I said, "We're not going to see Clark Kent. This film is going to be the origin of Clark Kent at the Daily Planet in his glasses, mm-hmm. being, you know, you know, 
possibly bumbling, but anyway, being a different persona to Superman. We don't see that. And it, and that to me, that was the equivalent, that was going to be the equivalent of the Joker card at the end of Batman Begins, mm-hmm. him turning up in the glasses. And I said this months ago, and that's exactly how it ended. So, yeah, I agree that Krypton was a bit of a, a treat. Like, I, I said as much in the interviews that that really gave me confidence seeing it. Like, and I wanted to be more in that world and spend mm. more time mm. there mm. and I think it's telling that that was originally going to be about think, 45 minutes long and had to be really cut down I think yeah. the Kryptonians probably want to spend a bit more time Pro- there probably, as well yeah. you know? I mean uh, yeah I love that it had a lovely pulp uh, yeah. 60s feel I mean yeah. that looks like that's the book covers on my dad's bookshelf right there you know that that's proper yeah. old school sci-fi and mm. I love that I mean uh, even apart yeah. from this film I think we're seeing that more and more in cinema that's part of the reason I loved Thor mm. it's part of the reason I loved Avatar it's like that big crazy mad sci-fi that we're finally seeing on the big screen because you know our maybe, abilities. Maybe it means up. we'll finally get a Ian M. Banks adaptation one day. Uh-huh. Well, what do you think? I think that we <laughs> might be dreaming the dream there a little bit. But fingers crossed. Or Dan Simmons, uh, Ilium. <laughs> oh yes. Or Olympos. Yes. Um, That'd be amazing. I loved. Uh, I loved Krypton. I loved the Krypton sections. Uh, I love Richard Donner's uh, Superman the movie and Richard Donner slash Richard Lester's Superman two, which mm. is a huge basis for this movie. I think this movie yeah. is yeah. effectively accordions both those movies into into one. Um, but Krypton they never quite got right. Um, it has it has that amazing John Williams theme as you as that that great shot panning past the red sun to Krypton and then it just becomes a series of smaller models uh, with people walking around with tinfoil uh, on them and, uh, and some black lights some, some very some black good black lights light, some yeah. good yeah and some nice back projection guilty um, but yeah obviously they didn't have the budget to realize Krypton in the way that they do in this movie and yeah. it is immense I love that stuff I really did and I thought uh, personally for me I think Russell Crowe is the best thing about this movie. I thought he was, was fantastic. Great in it, yeah, yeah, this was a this was a, a different Jor-El than we've seen before on the big screen, um, and a more I, kind of coherent one, and a, and a very sort of, yeah, you know, in the sense that you know the for this example, the Smallville one was quite sinister at times, and that didn't quite feel right. And uh, Marlon Brando was Marlon Brando, really, and th- this felt like a dad. Yeah. a lot more and even though he hadn't really had time to be a dad he felt like he was acting from that place if yeah, you like yeah. but he doesn't the other thing is he's a dad who hasn't aged so yeah. he feels closer to, to Cal mm. as well so we and we see him engaging in action we see him as, as well we see him as a man of a man of action of, you know a, a practical figure rather than just a voice or mm. but also I mean that that clearly comes from you know so everyone on Krypton apart from Cal has been born and bred to a purpose and he's clearly been born and bred as a scientist but even aside from his potentially scientific desire to experiment with natural birth Mm. and potentially coming from a place of love and romance and la 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 he's clearly also fighting against his own limitations he's clearly taught himself to to be a fighter as well he's clearly Mm. kind of pushing beyond what destiny has kind of Mm made for him and I think that kind of feeds into his relationship Mm. as well which I really liked you can really sense with uh, Superman the movie that Marlon Brando was kind of slumming it a little bit a little bit a little bit a lot you know and and he showed obviously a loyalty to Richard Donner by refusing to come back when Donner was fired Uh, so that's why Susanna York is uh, in Superman 2 and that Marlon Brando at least the uh, Lester cut Um, but you can see why Russell Crowe signed on to this because he gets to do some great action uh, he plays a man who has the most virile sperm on the planet of Krypton, and that would be an appeal for any actor. Yes, I'm the guy who breaks the century cycle. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I'll do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought he was really, really good. And I'm glad that they brought him back at the movie in a more active role. That was surprising how much he's in the film. I like that. Mm. I really thought he was going to 
just be there and then go and then that was that and maybe yeah. you know be a floaty hologram for a while <laughs> but actually, actually talking about that I loved the solid state technology the Kryptonian solid state technology I thought that was great that mm. kind of everything's formed from this kind of carbonite almost yeah. yeah sort of yeah that was, that was proper weird I so I'm doing that. something with my yeah. hands here sorry yeah. I'm, I'm Nick doing works really with well my hands that. but yeah. yeah it really sells it Nick Desimlian described it as uh, <laughs> he's trying to describe this some years Steve going yeah so Jor-El's uh, he walks around in Krypton and he's accompanied by a, a talking parking meter. <laughs> For uh, <laughs> it's just, just see people's faces going, "What? A talking parking yeah. meter?" And then yeah. and then Cal carries him around on a USB stick, so you know it all works. <laughs> it out. I, think, I think more like a three D etch a sketch. You know what I mean? I think yeah. of them as kind of floating metal baby cots with Promethean snakes at the bottom of them. Uh, well, when, you could say that, or you could say a talking parking meter. Yeah, either or. Uh, one thing I, I will say is I really enjoyed how they incorporated Lois Lane, who is often someone you can't really put into action and you can't give mm. her action moments. Mm. But that series of beats where it is the uh, hologram or essence of Jor-El walking around, opening doors, shutting doors, shoot left, shoot right, go up, go down, move yeah. the face to the right. Yeah. Like, there were comic beats there, yeah. and it was it was good action. I was excited by that. I just thought that was a really clever piece of writing. I thought generally she was really really well done. I'd agree with you. I think the limitation on her character was maybe there wasn't enough time with Clark. So that doesn't quite sell the romance, mm. um, because they simply don't have enough scenes together. Their scenes that they do have together are actually quite nicely played, but they're really brief, really, really brief. There was a sense of a lack of depth, you said as much in the review where mm. each character I enjoyed each character for what they were worth mm. they fulfilled their purpose I didn't feel like they you know were like hang on why did they do that that makes no sense mm. but I really wanted more time like you say with each yeah. one to do them justice and really get into their hearts and minds and souls but we didn't really get that we just mm. got a big a lot of CGI Shazam covered that yeah I think I think the kiss at the end took me slightly by surprise I wasn't sure they had they'd entirely earned that yeah. which is not a problem with, as well I hate to go, go, keep going back to Superman and Superman 2 but that, that wasn't a problem with that they spent a lot of time on the on the Lois Clark slash Lois Superman weird love triangle that goes on <laughs> with those two um, I do like that Lois knows though because mm. honestly girl yeah, come on I know I know, but also you have to ask: Doesn't everyone know? I mean, that's the well, biggest we, thing. We, no, we were discussing this in the office, and we were discussing whether Perry knows at the end. And I, I had the very strong feeling that he was he was kind of aware. Um, and and David Escoyer, I've got to say, kind of kind of agreed with me on that. He thought Perry was was he in. He sees on that. them kiss. Yeah, that's not just because him hunky man, her like hunky man. There's obviously something else going on. <laughs> oh yes, and by the way, it takes what 143 minutes for someone to point out that he's handsome. Please. No, 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 not <laughs> handsome. Kind of handsome. Kind of. That hot. whole bit that where she, who is a private next to the general who's in charge of basically the army, right? So the satellite crashes down to earth because Superman has thumped it there. Mm. Superman is there floating, going, "You go. You want to find out where I hang my cape? Clang. You can't do that. <laughs> go it, away. Go away. Leave human. me alone." I, he was trying to send to do an Iron Man thing. Look, I'm really powerful. You have to trust me. I have to trust you, and we will be fine. I've saved the bloody world. Calm down. He goes, no, you can't do that. You've broken my satellite. That costs a lot of money. And this private next to the chief von general mega dude goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's kind of hot. He's the guy who saved the world. And look at him. Look at him. When he first arrived and he walks around behind the building by the, after he saved people on the brig, he's topless and he's wearing all these scrappy shorts. I, want, I, I, yeah, I wanted point, to get up and leave because I was yeah, so offended by I texted my wife and said honey it's over I'm sorry uh, I'm now batting for the other team because this is it didn't turn me it just made me angry it, it didn't turn me yeah yeah sure He's blushing. what's wrong with you people no he was just uh, what I'm saying is in a backwards way is that he certainly he's a manly hunk Dan oh, okay by the way can I just point out he did save the world but also he was the cause of its near destruction 
Well, Just not saying. necessarily. They might have. They might have come anyway to the. You know. Well, no, no, no. They only got drawn. They only got drawn by him. By him being there. It did That's not his fault. You can't blame him for that. Well, no, but what I'm, you know, I mean, and also, let's let's face it, and this is something else I pointed out briefly in the review. He's as responsible for as much destruction as anyone else. Yes. It's like, yes. take it outside, dude. Now, this was a big problem, I think, for me with the film. It's like every other fight scene we've ever seen Superman do, and this is what sets him apart from many other superheroes. It's not just about fighting. It's also about making sure no one else is hurt while you're fighting. Mm. So, you know, in the, that's something that the Donner and Lester films did mm. where he would, you know, yes, with one hand he'd be fighting Zod and Ursa and so on, mm. and the other hand he'd be catching buses full of school children mm. and, and mm. pushing them out of the way and stopping buildings for, from toppling and so on. And there isn't that in these fight scenes, generally speaking. Although, is that reflective of modern America? Oh, oh gosh, enough! <laughs> I wanted more. I wanted more people saving. Generally, I was with the movie. Uh, I, I really, I really liked the Krypton stuff. I was, I was with the movie for the first hour or so. Then General Assault turns up, and it kind of started losing it for me after that point. And the endless fight scenes in Metropolis, when you compare them, and again, I'm doing that. I'm so sorry, but uh, when you compare the fight scene in Metropolis between Sod and Superman to the Superman Sod Ursa a non-fight in Superman 2 it is not an ounce of the wit imagination or humanity more importantly of those fights the scene with the you know the, the bus where Superman literally is yelling no the people and they and they see that as a weakness in Superman and they play upon it by trying to hurt as many innocent people as they possibly can and uh, Superman takes the fight away from Metropolis because he realises that too many people too, many, too much destruction and too many deaths will be on his head to be fair to be fair there are scenes of him intervening to save people in the fight as well. He's, True, but then he, also in this film he is doing but, both things. Yes, but generally it's I mean the, the the main one I remember is him intervening to save the life of a soldier, which commendable, don't get me wrong. I don't, you know, I'm not callous about soldiers, but there's none of that sort of intervening for the for That's the innocent true. so much until that obviously that last scene mm. with with uh with Zod which mm. we uh talked yeah. to David Goyer about and that's uh that kind of it feels like that comes out of nowhere rather than flowing from the events of the entire mm. fight. There were some action beats that could feel a little cribbed, especially within the Smallville uh, fight battle for Smallville. Generally, I, I found very enjoyable seeing Zod fly through the petrol station. The petrol station blows up. He has the whole ah uh, ah uh, too much sensory overload. I was like, wow, this is really clever. This will be how they make the two of them fight in an interesting way. That kind of fell by the wayside a bit, and then came back. And then we'll talk later about how the powers. Yeah. kind of are a bit fudged how do you get power is it the atmosphere is it the sun anyway um, it was interesting to notice in Smallville that's where we got most of our product placement Sears U-Haul IHOP LexCorp um, LexCorp yeah, yeah. obviously yeah IHOP doing very well they pay a lot of money Nokia, it's funny because you see Mark Kent wearing a Sears like band around her neck and you go wow you're, you're really taking this all the way through of course you've got Nokia all the journalists journalists at the Daily Planet not using Apple products come on I mean I mean, really. I asked um, Amy Adams whether she, you know, her lowest lane would be on Twitter. She was like, no way. She's not Twitter. She's not going to do it. And that makes sense, considering one of the comic beats uh, was her unable to use a photocopier. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, Battle of Smallville. <laughs> one of the comic beats. But yes, um, the, uh, the, the action beats within the Battle of Smallville echoed, maybe intentionally, I think they kind of have to be, when the Hulk jumps onto yeah. the flying uh, onto the plane onto the MiG basically mm. and then rips off the shield of the of the uh, cockpit and starts stumping away well that's very hulky that then was, you have that was very similar I do wonder how tricky it is picking up Superman and slamming him into the floor like he's you know a rag doll yeah, but I've been making I, I, this film a long time yeah. I know that it's I know very that hard to but I'm saying it is, but echoing. at the same time those are two beats that you could have cut out or tweaked or something or tweaked or something since last 
since last uh, what I'm May. not saying it's a copy. I'm not saying that. I'm just feeling like it's not entirely original for whatever reason. Um, but for what it's worth, I thought um, the quick movement of the way uh, Faura or Faora just kind of darted round. She mm. kind of zoom, 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 like punching people. Um, it felt a little bit like a beat em up computer game. But I was into that. Yeah, yeah, I, enjoyed I enjoyed it. it. I thought I enjoyed the, the, the effects scenes. were great, yeah. I, I did the effect, really the effects were great. I thought, I thought it was uh, uh, just a relentless onslaught. By the way, we I, saw it in two D. You saw it in three D. Regrettably, yes. Yeah, I okay. saw it in three D as well. It made not an yeah. ounce of difference. Can I just I say how it weird it was seeing the Syncope logo in three D? <laughs> it just felt wrong. Yeah, it did feel wrong, didn't it? Yeah. The what? The Syncope logo. The Nolan Company. Oh. Yeah. When he first goes not to the Fortress of Solitude, but to the scout ship that's buried under this mega ice. Plateau. That is the fortress of solitude. Yes, but it's not like no one calls it that or anything like that. It's a little bit of a fight on that front. It kind of is, it kind of isn't. It's a scout ship that was left there twenty thousand years ago. We um we asked for uh, some people to send in comments and questions on Twitter last night, and then I realised that people could read spoilers in our timeline, so I took that down very quickly. But one of the questions that came through was um, someone asked, "How did the suit get on the ship?" It's okay. a replicator. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. Basically, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, Jor-El's been uploaded from his USB stick into the scout ship and uh, and I then just cr- has it created. Read his vital statistics with his brain. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he kind of has to, though, because he, he can't have done it much before that. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't fit. But why isn't it black like everything else? And why is it thinner and lighter and yeah, stuff? Why is it perhaps, red? Perhaps it's... He also, I mean, listen, this is a giant alien, mega powerful scout ship, okay? So let's assume that he's also able to scan Earth technology and come up with something appropriate. Uh, and also his, you know, Jor-El, which I really enjoyed, wears that cool battle armour. It's it's yeah. kind of mm. almost robotic. I really like that mm. design. Generally, the design, as we mm. all discussed, Krypton was fantastic. Mm. Doesn't Soups deserve a little bit of battle armour? He mean, doesn't need it. Maybe he doesn't need it because he he's on Earth it. and he's uh, invulnerable actually, on he Earth. he doesn't want to block out the sun yeah. too much, ah, does But also, I'm thinking maybe the know. red and blue would, would actually make sense from Jor-El's point of view because it's red for Krypton and blue for Earth. I'm just uh, making this up, but okay. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to stick right. with it. Do you think he'll okay. uh, throw a little hot rod red in there next time? <laughs> Maybe. But uh, I, I, I liked so. when he walks out from that and he puts his fist to the ground and the earth shakes and he has a couple of grace notes and <laughs> yeah. slams into the yeah. floor. When he flies around the earth, he goes through, I don't know whether you noticed, he goes through the Grand Canyon. Yeah. He goes um, White Cliffs through of Dover. past the White Cliffs of Dover. And yeah. I just had a big smile on my face just going, oh, good, good for you, you in Britain for some reason and then it's through the plains of Africa and all that kind of stuff yeah. I wish that lasted longer that gave me such a thrill I wish he'd uh, pushed the Leaning Tower of Pisa over a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great there's a big grin on uh, Chris's face there <laughs> but yeah for for the lack of humour there are yeah. very subtle little touches occasionally yeah, yeah that I remember bit, one of the things I laughed at was somebody just breathing in a funny way I can't remember what it was <laughs> I always laugh at weird stuff in films I'm always the only one in the cinema sort of going <laughs> I tell you I laughed <laughs> when um, Lois Lane walked in and goes damn it I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist yes <laughs> I was having flashbacks <laughs> to Helen the Hudsucker Proxy <laughs> yes it was yes. a Hudsucker Proxy I'm sure that was a Hudsucker Proxy it must have been. Uh, gag <laughs> I'll bet sure. my Pulitzer on it Helen you've got some interesting points pointed Helen Thanks, Chris. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was I was going to uh, bring up a couple of little tiny details. Uh, first of all, I thought there were some nods here to Edna Mode. Uh, Deborah Snyder yesterday described Krypton as very much a cape society. Cape um, culture. Cape culture. It. Cape culture. I apologise. Uh, and uh, and that's true. You can't have Superman. I don't think without a cape. You can reimagine the costume a bit, but you've got to have a cape. But it did get him into trouble in a couple of moments, which I quite enjoyed um, in an Edna Mode style um, There's a couple of times where he's caught by his cape and then has to, you know, fight somebody a bit more than he Why didn't it to. rip? Because it's made of super strong material, Dan. Jeez. Oh, yeah. 
There's so, there's so much post-op fudging we're doing here. <laughs> and well, of course, this, that and the other. Um, the, I, the other thing I like is uh, that this is essentially, my, my alternative title for this movie would be How Toby from the West Wing Saves the World. Because actually, I mean, you know, Jor-El actually says at one point, you know, you're here to inspire people, you're here to lead people. Uh, Jonathan Kent, obviously Kevin Costner, says the same thing. Mm. And, the uh, other Robin Hood. The other Robin Hood, yes. <laughs> and um, and it actually, you know, it is technically Toby who presses the button at the right time and, and ensures that the giant gravity machine is exploded and yeah. sent to the phantom zone. And he never makes it out. And Poor he doesn't make it yeah. out. He sacrifices himself. He's the real Jesus figure Just here. Just like he did in The Lost World. Do we have a moment of silence for Toby? Toby, we hardly yeah. hear you. We should, we should mention it. It's actually, of course, Richard Schiff, and we love him, and his name is Dr. Emil in this. Yes. I was also pleased to see a couple of uh, Battlestar Galactica yes. people in there Tamo quite Penniket early on. And I've forgotten his real name, but the Lieutenant guy Gator. Play, the guy who plays Gator, yes. <laughs> Being Gator. Oh, thanks, Guy. Um, Park Kent, can we talk about how he's an idiot? Uh, the work oh, experience person God. who came in today pointed out quite rightly. He has a the name, Ali. He's called he Charlie. Has a name. Yeah. He walked in and said, you know, can I just point out that Park Kent's an idiot? And I was like, I know! Um, yeah. But in his defence, he's a man of honour and also he gets his foot stuck. Look, he loved the bloody dog oh, God. and he got his foot stuck. But so, it's I'm a not, dog. I'm not the, I'm not the, first, I'm not the just... first person to point this out. Someone else pointed this out on the internet. I was reading a uh, spoiler message board about it last night. Um, Jonathan Kent, when he when he dies, basically puts his hands up to say, "No, Clark, don't reveal yourself to the world in front of me, uh, in front of everybody, because mm. oh, no, the world's not ready." Blah, blah, blah. But Superman can move at close to the speed of light, so he could actually have run over there, ah, no. saved his dad no. without anyone seeing. No, shush, nonsense. Could no. have done it. No, easily could have done it. This is before they've established he can actually fly to his full potential, ah. right? Isn't it? He's yeah. not yet at the. He's, he's not, actually. He's not yet he hasn't started. He knows, he, can do, he, knows he can do something. He knows, he knows he yeah, no, it, yeah. but I, I don't think... I mean, moving at the speed of light. And he I loves mean, his dad, on. and his dad says no, and he's about to kill himself. You, you give yourself a couple of seconds to think about it, and then tornado. If, I, I did wonder yeah. about Krypton forming Earth. Um, because, I mean, yeah. if Krypton has, like, a completely different gravity and atmosphere, wouldn't it be easier to just do that on another planet? Also, you get to be Superman if you stay here. I know. I did wonder about that, because there's that line from, from, from Zod where he says, we don't want to wait all that time like you did to learn to deal with all this amazing power that would make us superior on this world. We just want to kill everyone and make it like home. I don't think he's thought but, it through. But I don't think he has thought it through, but he is genetically created. Yes. to be like that isn't he so he is by his very nature narrow minded about the whole thing so I do kind of get yeah, that and, and and all he ever wanted to do was I mean actually, you know, actually I like this him and Jor-El had the same motive mm. it's just they went about it in different ways this that were predetermined by their very natures and, and actually I mean the Krypton is quite interesting because it has clearly stagnated, yeah. um, and they make that quite clear. You know, mm. if if a, if a ship twenty thousand years old is still compatible with the same technology, um, then Krypton clearly hasn't been going the way it should do. So, you know, it, maybe it deserves to die, even with the four wing dragons. Mm. I'm sorry, I but, said oh. it. but I'm double confused because the other planets which they terraformed and were part of their society. It was implied that these other planets that had were all failed. Had yeah. all failed because yeah. they weren't in connection with the mother. Well, also, mother but how decadent is Krypton if like none of its colonies have survived? That exactly. seems bizarre. That seems mm. very strange because surely if they do terraform Earth and they do make it like Krypton and everyone there is Kryptonian and they have loads of crypto babies and it's all great, then surely without the mother planet they'll die as well. I, I didn't. I didn't see that. And also for all this, we don't want to wait to learn all of this. 
he picks it up pretty quickly when it's a final fight. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's just you know uh, the you know adaptability through necessity or something that that comes with him being one of the warrior cast mm. or something. You've got to love I how, mean, cri- you know. how Kal El also gives him the key to do that. He says, "Oh, you just need to focus at one point during one of the fights, and then he does focus in the next fight, and then he's able to deal with it." But there is a, that little element of, and, and they they really they this really hit home when finally, and I can say this, he kills Sod. That he doesn't want to kill these guys. They're, they're mm. his, he, he is aware that this is his last link to the world he was from. These people are his people. They're his species. Yeah. So it's to some degree it... he's related to them. Yeah. And and he doesn't. I don't think he really wants to be in a position where he's killing anything. He doesn't no. want to kill Zod at the well, end. He doesn't want to have to choose between two worlds, which is mm. essentially the position that the, the film point, puts him in. You think, and... I think he makes a very clear choice quite early on. Uh, well, no, he's, he, he's he makes a choice team to... Team Earth. Yeah, he is Team Earth, but at the same time, that doesn't mean he wants Krypton to die, but he's no, put true. in a position where that's essentially the choice he has to make. There, he can keep nothing of Krypton if mm. he wants Earth to survive, and that's the position that he's put in. So it's quite... A, it's it's one thing to make your choice, and it's another thing to make it as irrevocable as all that, I guess. Mm. It's the difference between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, if you will. Mm. Um, and this also echoes for me, and I, this may be the nerdiest thing even I have ever said, but um, it echoed the Doctor Who and the Master Beats uh, in the... Master Beats. The master moments, if you will, <laughs> thank you, in uh, in the last David Tennant series of Doctor Who, because I thought uh, he and John Sims had, had a similar kind of dynamic where he just wanted John Sims to kind of stay around and be his mate, and, and he couldn't because he was too evil. Damn it. Sorry. Damn it. Um, that's not the dirtiest thing you've ever said. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you said way no difference than that. Uh, no, I thought he made a very clear choice uh, towards the end. Uh, the killing sword thing. Uh, mm. A couple of things I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Jonathan Kent. We didn't talk about that in, in full detail. Because um, they're, they're two very, very different fathers. And But let's get on to that in a second. But killing sword. Where do we stand in that? This is, I'm very much against it. Yeah, it's it, it was an interesting thing. Um, I, I mean, you're going to hear David Goyer talking about this in a little bit. Um, and he had, he, you know, they thought about it quite a lot. It's interesting that this makes Superman actually break Batman's one rule, which I think is, is quite unusual. Which Batman kind of breaks? Oh, I'm sorry, Batman's one rule, the sidebar, is ridiculous. There is no way he can control the amount of violence that he levels like not ever killing anyone it's crazy anyway whatever. actually no he doesn't kill Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins he does, yeah. just doesn't he save him he technically doesn't kill him technically but, doesn't like, kill him no court in the land all the convicted. time like he drops a guy from the second floor he doesn't know that that guy definitely will only break a leg it's oh, yes, crazy he yes, no he he's doesn't a genius. he can't he's a genius shut up he's a genius he could have a predetermined weakness somewhere that just well, causes that's not, complications that's not Bruce Wayne's fault yes it is it's, it's not his fault Legally speaking, he would be liable. Well, what are you, like a trained barrister or something? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, my point I is... I think Superman probably killed more people during this film <laughs> well, yeah, than listen, Batman did during any of the, this uh, is also any of the true. Dark Knight this trilogy. This is also true. But yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. And I mean, yeah, so you're going to hear David Goyer talk about this. I don't want to preempt him too much, but they put a lot of thought into this and they, they kind of went back and forth on it um, quite a bit. And I think it comes down again to that choice between Earth and Krypton, yeah. like they, they it makes can't sense leave for the theme of the, the themes of the film. It makes perfect sense. He needs to end up being the last Kryptonian there is. <clears throat> last son of Krypton, if you will. Indeed. Or is he? Uh, when he's in the scout ship, there's lots of pods in there with dead people inside, dead Kryptonians inside them, but one pod is empty. And I think someone has said in an interview, maybe Goyer, that that could be Supergirl. Huh. So she might already be on Earth. In which case, where is she? Why doesn't she reveal herself? And why don't they pick her up her Kryptonian energy signal as well? Does anyway, that mean she's twenty thousand years old. Yes. 
is he immortal? Can he? You know, he ages at the same rate as humans, but does he stop aging? I've always wondered this about Superman. Mm. Hmm. For example, in in uh, Mark Millar's Red Sun, which goes really, really, really far into the future, he kind of yeah. stays the same age, doesn't he, for a long, 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 long time? Um, but uh, yeah, so does Superman mm. get to thirty three and then just stop? It's funny. Or, same thing with Wolverine. He kind of grows, but kind of doesn't. Like, there's a good comic book where he he confronts Sabretooth for the final time, and they're both basically old dudes with long grey hair. It's yeah, it's a real curiosity question. Um, but I was wondering whether we could talk about the powers, mm. like how they source their powers, because it's it's mentioned that it's atmosphere yeah. when they go onto mm. the ship. I was a bit confused by this. <clears throat> I've always thought it was sun's rays. I think it's meant to be both. It's because they do talk about the sun as well. Jor-El mm. talks about the sun charging his cells early on. So there's clearly the sun has something to do with it, but they do also th- and then confuse it and with the this masks. whole... Yeah. With this, this th- th- whole that's what I don't understand. So you've got, you've got Superman, super strong, X-ray vision, etc., etc., super senses, and then the other Kryptonians land, and they're in their battle armour with their face plates down. They are super strong. Right, mm. they can't fly yet, but, but they can do super leaps. Well, that I guess what is a gravity you? thing. Why? Because it's a, a we, we have less gravity than Krypton. Right. So they've grown up in if they've grown up in a heavier heavier gravity world. It's John right. Carter. They, they, yeah, that's the John, John Carter. Carter. It's the John. Okay, Carter okay. okay. That, that's never explained in the film, is it? That's There's no basic science, Dad. Come basic on. science. Okay. <laughs> All right then. And then and then yeah, the faceplate comes off, and then it's like, oh God, I can see you through everything. I can see your underwear. Oh God, I can't handle it. Anyway, so powers. I basically think that is a bit of a flaw. If if that's being a little bit dancing right. around the houses there, it's a flaw. I These think. are smart Kryptonians. They're seeing one of their own kind running around without a faceplate on. Why don't they just immediately take their faceplates off? Because they have these mega headaches and they can't control it. But they don't know they won't have the, you know, those mega headaches and then they have them and it, it takes about two minutes to get over it. So that's why I would do it. Oh, maybe they're so smart they've realised that he's already acclimatised. Uh, yeah. That they, and they wouldn't. Possibly. Because yeah. they already know that he won't maybe that, be depowered in their atmosphere. Maybe that weedy looking Kryptonian on the ship whose name I forget... You know, as a doctor, and went, oh, better be safe. Put on your mask. Yes. And, and they the all one who worked out very, very easily with no explanation how all of the data of the DNA of every single Kryptonian was in his cells. He just yeah. went, oh, by the way, I've worked it out. And you go, that's handy. <laughs> uh, what do we make of the Codex? The MacGuffin. Eh. I don't think they needed yeah. it. Do they need it? They don't need a MacGuffin, a Superman. They don't need Sod to have a greater purpose other than just hating well, the Son I of Jor-El, need, do they? But you, I guess you, you need that. Um, greater purpose for Zod because if, if he's just hating on Jor-El it makes him less sympathetic yeah whereas there, where, why does he whereas, need to be sympathetic well no but it, I think it makes him a, a more the Joker nuanced. isn't sympathetic yeah but the Joker is like a, an insaneoid um, yeah. so is Zod yeah. but I he doesn't feel have sorry to be for Joker because you know he's obviously got problems he needs help wow this and that's why him. they send him to Arkham I'm getting more worried, worried with Badan by yeah, the l- second little bit. I'm not sure. um, but yeah uh, yeah, I saw it was a big problem for me. I, I didn't particularly like this iteration of Sod. I, I, I worship a defeated turnstamp Sod, uh, who, and you know, people will back me up in this, the late great Pav Basra, and I used to be able to bat uh, turnstamp Sod quotes from Superman 2 back and forth pretty Endlessly. much all day. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't think of a single memorable thing that this Sod does or says during the course of the entire movie, which is a major problem. Did you base the, the merits of genocide with a ghost? The and lines then, are well, clunky. I've actually written a few of them down, especially in that final fight. There are lines like, you are a monster, Zod, and I've got to stop you. Yes. Um, here's, a, here's, here's another one. There's only one way this ends. Either you die or I do. 
Now, could that be foreshadowing something? <laughs> what? Does he press a button at any point and go, sword attack? <laughs> Punch strike. Um, and there's another great bit. I, that's a bit where I unintentionally laughed. It's very Pulitzer surprise for me, which is, if you love these people so much, and I thought he was going to turn around and go, why don't you marry them? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't think he should have killed Sod. I think they should have depowered him somehow and stuck him in the uh, the Phantom Zone again there's, or something. There's an interesting, uh, I mean, question which we were discussing yesterday, and this is again nerdy. Stick with me. Uh, can you break a Kryptonian neck on Earth? Um, I would say yes, you can. If, if you're, you're another Kryptonian, if you're another Kryptonian, yeah, you would have the force necessary to to do that. Because, but that means, I mean, we've always considered you know Superman pretty much invulnerable I mean that means he's not actually if you had a like a giant machine with yeah. giant pincers you could you know presumably that's what Lex Luthor will be building in the he'll next he'll be building movie. that any, yeah. any minute now like right. giant Superman neck breaking machine mechanical um, spider need yeah. a new name the well, I'm, yes. glad, I'm glad you mentioned the next film Yes. Uh, Dan, I don't just throw this shit together. <laughs> I've got a list of topics I'm, here and I'm, I'm trying I'm, desperately to get through okay, them all one right, by one. All right. um, yeah, let's talk about the next one. With the line, yeah, welcome will be to the next planet. planet. Which is a <laughs> that, great that was good. line. That was a good is line. that the that last line of the movie? Line. Does he say anything in response to that or does he just smile? He smiles and just yeah, looks handsome, yeah. I think. <laughs> which is my trick. <laughs> it's it's a bit hot. He smiles and looks kind of hot. Um, but yeah, I, everywhere turned for him. I, I didn't. We were talking earlier sort of about this mass destruction that we've seen happen, you know, mm. in, in, in this city, which they barely recognise as being Metropolis. Um, so, so much of this city, Metropolis, has been destroyed. And we've seen the LexCorp logo yes. around, haven't we? We have, yes. So I... I the gas tank. Yep, yep. I believe that all that mass destruction happened for a reason, which is who's going to get the rebuilding contracts? You don't think I think I think it's going to be LexCorp. <gasps> and Lex Luthor is going to come in as the builder of the new metropolis, this new city. Mm. And I think maybe there might be some Kryptonian tech around that Ooh. he might sweep up during the uh, Some Jatari guns that have been left lying Shush. around. And um, that could be something to do with how Luther rises um, for the sequel, which should, I think, be called Man of Tomorrow. Because it's going to be set in this new city. Wow. I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. We were talking about this in the main podcast that Superman doesn't really have a great rogues gallery. And I'm yeah. not a huge Superman comic book reader, so all mm. I know is Brainiac, yeah. and Doomsday, yeah. and Luthor, yeah. and General Sod. And now they've got Sod out of the way, you kind of have to go Luthor in a way. This is, it kind of seems to be the done thing now. And Brainiac would be interesting because he hasn't been done on screen. At all, yeah. So that that might be something to, to play with. Apart from he's in Smallville, presumably? Yes. Tell okay. me about Brainiac. Helen, tell us about Brainiac. Chris, over to you. Dan, tell us about Brainiac. <laughs> I, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big expert on the law. The way I understand it is Brainiac is an alien android, basically. I can't remember if he's actually Kryptonian. Mega super intelligent. Um, Mega super brilliant. But, uh, I mean, we've already established in this, in this universe that there are other, race, other alien races and other alien planets. Um, I can't remember which race, um, but yeah, he's, he's basically a, an artificial alien being who is, as you can tell from the name... Uh, which I believe was a confluence of the word brain and the word maniac. What? Yeah. Is he the one, if I've got this wrong, then obviously please direct your rage at me, but he's the one who has technology to shrink. Yes, yes. he shrinks entire cities. He shrinks cities, cities yeah. and he shrinks Metropolis, yeah. doesn't and that's he? And kind of that's yeah. kind of an ongoing thing. He shrinks Metropolis. He also shrinks, a, I've forgotten the name now, a Kryptonian city uh, which... 
uh, Superman spends basically has basically a city in a bottle in the Fortress of yeah. Solitude and spends much of his time Candor. Candor, yes, thank um, you. I, uh, yeah, and wasn't he the bad guy in the J.J. Abrams or an earlier iteration of the Superman? Yes, I think he was. I think it was Flyby. No, was it the Tim Burton one? No, he was in there with another baddie who was yeah. slightly no, more was physical. It, who was the, is it? Doomsday or Darkseid who kills Superman? Doomsday. Doomsday. Tell me about Doomsday. Basically, giant alien bad guy who killed Superman. Giant alien bad guy. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. He's a, yeah. What does he look like? Yeah. Really ugly. Hmm. Like seriously ugly. Is yeah. he? Is he like the monster at the end of Watchmen in the original book? No, he's not that big. He's he's humanoid, um, but bigger than Superman and yeah. very scary. Kind of uh, have you type. thought the uh, the sword Superman fight was monotonous? Just you wait until you read the death of Superman because it is literally the last issue oh is God. literally just a, a powerful man punching another powerful man over twenty four single yeah. page panels I mean, until one of them dies. What might be more interesting to do something along the lines of maybe All Star Superman, which was really good comic arc which had Superman rescuing a mission to the sun from falling into the sun absorbing too much cosmic radiation with with the result that his powers got more and more and more powerful and he got more intelligent. He, his, he could fly faster. He could do everything better. Um, but also, it was going to kill him in a few months. And it was sort of how he spent his last days and weeks. So a bit like that Doctor Who episode with David Tennant saying goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So it all comes back to the Doctor for some reason, doesn't hey. it? It's weird. I found that the fight between the giant space uh, terraforming machine, uh, when it had the three arms of pin cushion death. Yeah. snakeness the tripod let's call yeah, it I didn't yeah I really, I didn't really engage with that at all I was like oh so you find this machine that's chasing you CGI 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 how does he tweet it well he gets underneath it and then just supermans it to he death he basically does a Randy Quaid in Independence Day <laughs> and survives but you see the important thing is the important thing is that Jenny the intern didn't die <laughs> I had no emotional connection yes. with Jenny the intern is Jenny meant to be Jimmy Olsen no, I don't think so. I think Jenny's meant to be Jenny, and it's meant to be for the gag of trawling the intern pool RR at the end. But um, Jenny is supposed to be, I think, the innocent that we're meant to feel I didn't for. care about Jenny. No, not really? did I. And it was a problem with that I was scene. glad when I built We saw Perry White with his little diamond earring, like, yes. getting the, you know, the street sign, putting it into the rubble and trying to lift her out. I went, well, I'm not really that fast. I mean, <laughs> there are so many people who have died now. I, I'm I'm not engaged. I'd actually rather just see more of Superman flying into the air, Zod coming at him, and then him just punching him, or throw him into a giant Coke sign like they do in Superman Two. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's delicious, isn't mm. it? Yeah, there was yeah, a lot of Coke on the, the early Superman films, wasn't there? That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other Easter eggs that we perhaps might have missed? I've got a whole bunch of them. The mm. biggest one is on the side of the satellite, which I was proud. I'm proud of brag as well here yes that i uh informed both dan and ian who saw the film first i said did you yeah. not see the wayne enterprises sign on the side of the uh satellite so mm-hmm. that's a big one mm-hmm. uh there's also if we count all the LexCore ones there's the LexCore construction site mm-hmm. which says the future is yours or ours or now well there you go see that feeds into my theory about the sequel well, as well exactly yeah. so this, that's the future the belongs site. to me kind of a that yeah. kind of thing <laughs> yeah. then you've got the gas tank um and the very subtle one which i went wow this is actually pretty good mm. um is the removal truck that you see when he is hitchhiking and goes back to see his mum mm. that they all say lexical um sullivan's uh, the workshop is referenced to smallville the tv show um there is also the spartans the smallville spartans which i think is a gag about uh, 300 that's the um, football team in that town oh right um, 
what else is an easter egg oh yeah the utopia casino we only discover this in the interview but that's connecting to uh the character who i forget the name of off the top of my head um who brings kryptonite to earth he is from he he's part of this because oh, yeah. there's yeah. no mention of kryptonite you know kryptonite is a huge part of the first of, of yeah. the first yeah. movie yeah i like so, that i like yeah. that i think that'll have to be in some way be part of either this sequel or the next one whatever comes up next i mean they'd be fools to not incorporate it in some way well I luther thought. has to have in some way some way to render yeah uh superman relatively powerless and you also have the fact that you know the u.s government is already trying to spy on him with drones so it would make sense that they would also be like okay these kryptonians showed up destroyed half the city what do yeah. we do next time yeah let's see if there's anything out there so like you know, Nick Fury with the, uh, the phase 2 te- technology exactly and, uh, it was yeah. also a very small sign for Blaze Comics which is very important for people who know DC's old 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 lore so that's okay. fun that's and, a very small and sign and can I can I point at my favourite one it's the polar bear the polar bear's there for a reason it's Actually, not just a random polar bear. It's it's because uh, uh, John Peters, who's exec producer on this, but he rather famously during the attempts to make um, Superman, Superman lives, lives yeah. um, insisted that there should be polar bears at the Fortress of Solitude, and he actually. I, now, maybe I misremember. He did. He actually wanted them wearing armor, and yeah, he, he, did, he yeah. wanted them yeah. like to be like yeah. fighting and stuff. Have you been reading Philip Pullman? Or? Yeah, well, this is pre-Pullman. Oh god, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, so they they I, they have, I, and I believe they've corroborated this. They 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 snuck in the polar bear as a special tribute to the to John Peters. Are the giant three-legged Kryptonian ships then a little bit of a nod to him as well? Because he always liked mechanical spiders, didn't he? But he got that those in Wild Wild West. Yeah, he got he that in he Wild did. Wild West. He finally got his giant mechanical yes, spider. Um, he gets everything eventually. It just takes ten, fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we think the the mention of Wayne Enterprises is there any significance to be read into that, or is it as simple a throwaway gag as, uh, for example, <laughs> Val Kilmer mentioning Metropolis in Batman Forever, or the mention yeah. of Gotham in Superman Returns? David S. Goya expands upon this, and he views it as a clean slate. He views it as a an opportunity to say this isn't necessarily. In fact, he said it isn't yeah. the world where Christian Bale's Batman is there, but it is the world where a Batman exists and the rest of the Justice League exist in this world. And that was just to remind you that, sure, Superman is here, and he is kind of a big deal, but there is a, a grander world here, and he's he's viewing this as the kind of clean slate, the opening pitch for a, a DC universe. Well, he'd have to be the maybe. first, wouldn't he? Uh, have to... Hang on, I've got to... Got to this, is, this is maybe with the Kryptonian stuff coming down, and, you know, maybe bits of Kryptonian, like, spore or, or, or germs got into Earth's atmosphere, and that's going to power up other people. Could happen. Yeah, I'm sure, that, I'm, I'm sure that'll happen, Dan. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, yeah, he's got to be the first one, hasn't he, though? I mean, you say, for example, Batman, who doesn't have any powers, is fine, but... You know, to have Superman suddenly show up and display all these amazing abilities, and then people are going, "Oh yeah, but that's fine," because we saw that Green Lantern do do something like that a while back, and that Flash fella, he can do that as well. And uh, Aquaman, don't even get me started on that guy. So he kind of has to be the first, doesn't he? Yeah, that's because so. now all the Kryptonian germs are in the atmosphere. Okay. Sure, let's oh. go with that. But I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that that Goyer I think touched on yesterday, which is that. You know, he he suspects that if Warner's does Justice League, they'll they won't take the Avengers approach and and establish everyone or nearly everyone separately. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would be too too much like common sense, if you ask me. Uh, they would they would start with Justice League and work outwards, which is what they were planning to do, sort of five six years ago. Oh, I know, I know. With, with that was George a mistake Miller's, back then as well. I will reserve judgment until we know more, but it seems a, a, a 
bold strategy. If I'm they a- do Justice League, will Henry Cavill be the Superman in that Justice League? That seems to be up in the air. Okay. I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. <laughs> and I can safely say that that's what they're going to do. Okay. With, with oh. apologies to the Pulitzer Committee. <laughs> <laughs> and the Prize Committee. I'm a Pulitzer Prize certificate printing off winner. As someone who can spell Pulitzer Prize, <laughs> I think I have a few things to say about this. Uh, we've got to wrap up soon, uh, but uh, we haven't really touched upon the performances. So not that that really matters in the spoiler podcast necessarily, but uh, what do we make of the performances and what do we make of Henry Cavill as a Kal-El? Slash I, I, I felt it felt like a role he was slowly warming up to. Mm. I, he he seemed. I mean, it's partly the way it's written. It's partly because he doesn't have Clark Kent to fall back on and find a way in through. But I found I don't. He didn't seem massively comfortable. But just as Kal-El himself isn't massively comfortable for yeah. for various reasons. But I. I, I you know, but I kind of have a problem with the character of Superman for this reason as well. He's kind of there's not a lot to warm to or to to hook on to or to yeah. I all right, know. okay. I think, I he's think... got he's got big man breasts, but you know, um, pecs. Oh yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> the first movie, the Christopher Reeve Superman, is impossible not to like. Either as yeah, Clark but Kent, but that, but that, any, any iteration no, of Clark no, Kent, whether it's, it's a small full Kent, Kent or... Yeah. I mean, he's not being Clark Kent, he's not no, that his interesting. Superman, no, his Superman is noble and 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 warm and human. He's cool. And and cool as well. And I, mm. I really uh, adore that iteration of the character. I thought Brandon Routh did a fantastic job in Superman. Mm. Brandon Routh was very good. Um, yes. And has uh, been, I think, you know, sadly overlooked for this one. I yeah. think uh, Cavill is fine, but the Clark Kent in this movie lacks definition. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. He's lost So I don't want to see my Superman being tortured. Uh, I don't want to see him have an existential crisis. Mm. I want to see him being good and loyal and honest and decent uh, because we don't get a lot of that. Hmm. Uh, I kind of like the edge. The edge that you got towards the end, though. This, you know, he smashes the satellite or whatever it was, the, the, yeah. the missile thing, the drone, whatever drone. it was. But I go back, and 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 you know, there is this element of yeah, he's a he's not only an illegal immigrant, he's a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, true. Which is a very modern take on it, but I, I do kind of miss the Superman who, at the end of Superman two, apologizes to the American president for letting him and the country and the world down, and says it won't happen again, sir. I, I, I want that Superman back, not this conflicted guy who could mm. go either way. Mm. I, I thought Cavill was good. I, I just didn't think the script gave him a heck of a lot of character scenes in, in a bizarre mm. way. Um, even though he's on screen, you know, most of the time, it, it didn't feel like there was much there to work with. Maybe mm. I'm being unfair. I don't know. That's kind of, I suppose, if you're going to draw a parallel with Batman Begins, it's almost like for the whole film, he's the Bruce Wayne that was, you know hiding out and yeah. acting like a bum and what have you all the way to the very end whereas yeah. in Batman Begins he returns as Bruce Wayne about halfway through yeah yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that hmm. that's very good Superman is often painted as a, a Christ figure sometimes mm. <laughs> uh, you know rather overtly in Superman Returns where he literally comes back from the dead and yeah. falls to earth in a crucified pose for God's sake anyway but I, I really like that movie but there are a couple of missteps um <laughs> And this yes. one, is it referred? I didn't really see that much. He's 33. Really? He's 33. There's a scene in a church where he is he is in one corner of the frame and right behind him in the window is Christ kneeling in the gardens of Gethsemane, debating his future as Clark also kneeling debates what he should be doing um, to in his future and if he should sacrifice himself for to save the world mm. so there, there's a little bit mm. of a parallel in that scene there is a bit where he, he, he spreads out his arms and does pose, a crucifix pose shortly after when the yes. people are falling okay. into the water of the oil rig he is a 
fisher of men. He's also a fisherman, <laughs> oh. literally, on yes, a boat. That is true. Yes, he does fish. There um, are fish. There are fish. That he gathers in. I'm sure the, the loaves are out of shot. <laughs> but as uh, David Goyer would want us to point out, he's also a you know a Moses figure as well. So uh, he was obviously created by two Jewish writers, um, and and indeed this time Goyer himself is is Jewish. And you know the baby in the bull rushes sent away by his mm. parents to save him from a, a terrible fate, mm. um, and raised on a new world. So you know there's a, there's a bit of that going on and also there's the idea of him leading us out of the wilderness as well basically the, the metaphor is very very much there in fact no points for getting it but probably mm. minus points if you don't see it mm, okay um and uh yeah, yeah it's just it's it's an interesting it's interesting that that snyder i think it particularly was was kind of keen on on keeping that and and, and emphasizing that cool. and he was so he is a god among us isn't he yeah he, he is. is a god to us he is um all in all though i kind of preferred the same movie when it was called thor but having said that, having said that, uh, I am kind of excited about where they can go with the sequel now. They've set it up. I don't know how they're going to do the Clark Kent uh, disguising and Deadly I'm really worried about it. A little bit worried about that. But, uh, you know, the scale of this movie is fast. It is epic. I thought, you know, I, I had problems for the last hour or so, but exciting times ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I've already said, I think there's some really interesting places it can go. And I really look forward, and I'm, I'm assuming, I'm making a big assumption that Luther's going to come into it for the second one, but I can't, it feels right in the way it's they like, brought in Joker for yeah, the second one. John Harrison. Uh, exactly. He will bring an element, just as Gene Hackman did, and uh, just as Kevin Spacey did so brilliantly, he will bring an element which this film lacked, which is the villain being humorous. The villain you would hope. having, I really you hope. You would hope. I really hope. You know, he, they're, they're he's tough on humour, tough on the causes of humour in this movie, mm. and I, yeah. I hope that's not going to continue in the sequel. Yeah, and I hope you that that kind of that levity will come because one of the things I love about Luther as as, as Superman's foe cinematically is he doesn't take Superman seriously. You know, he's he's an opposite in that sense. Superman takes himself very seriously, and what he does very seriously. And Luther's just like, hey, it's just it's just a joke, and I'm gonna. That's actually one of the problems of Superman Returns at the end of it when uh, he actually is stabbing. Um, uh, in the side, spearing him in the side. There's yeah, another correct there reference. Um, when he when he was stabbing him with real anger and real hatred, and I kind of feel that the, the Gene Hackman Luther would never felt that way about Superman, and mm. I felt that was another little misstep uh, in it, within the the tone of the Singer world, which is obviously the same tone as the uh, as the Donner and Lester worlds. Um, so yeah, we, we, we shall we shall see. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with that. Who who can play him? I don't know. Bring Hackman out of retirement. This is the carrot. This will be the one that <laughs> will bring him back. Tom Hardy shaved his head before. <laughs> Tom Hardy's playing a bad guy in every <laughs> in DC, DC movie. movie yeah. Timothy good. Oliphant. No, Timothy he's best Oliphant. as a good guy. And yeah. Does good bald, though. He does good bald. He James. could have been Superman. James. The Stath. The Stath as Lex Luthor. <laughs> the all Rock. Comes, all comes back to the Stath. The Rock. Oh, I feel sorry God. for Superman in that case. I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd survive that one. Okay, uh, that's pretty much it for our, our mad ramblings. Time now for those interviews. Ali spoke to Zack Snyder on his Todd. And then you were joined by Helen for David S. Goyer, correct? Indeed. Enjoy. If you haven't seen the film by now, please. I, I just don't even know what to talk to you about. <laughs> no, I'm talking. Like if it's in the future, yeah, exactly. No. Like, don't spoil it. But don't spoil it. <laughs> really? There were many, many little grace notes I enjoyed in the film. And of course, the film is much more than grace notes. But there were a few that just put a big, geeky smile on my face. And obviously, there were the LexCore stuff that we had on the side of the truck and on the gas tank and the buildings. Uh, and by the way, I love the joke where when Superman slams into the 106 days since an accident, it goes to zero when he comes down. All of that stuff. I'm glad you saw that, by the yeah. way. I always, whenever I watch the movie, I see that and I'm like, is anyone seeing this? Because I think it's funny. No? 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe on a second viewing or whatever. But these are these the more obvious ones. The other ones that kind of have crept into my mind as I'm falling to sleep. I go, hang on, is that one? Um, we saw Utopia Casino. Uh, a big sign for that. And that's I looked funny. that up, and that's Tony Gallo, right? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, uh, that's uh, DJ, my visual effects supervisor. He snuck that in there, and I was like, that's awesome. Blaze Comics, I think. Mm-hmm. And is this all your visual effects supervisor who's just kind of... It's it's a bit of that. It's a bit of that. But uh, it's all stuff we that we talk about, and, and we go, oh, that's fun. We should do that. Like, mm. for, there's a, like a, definitely a really subtle inside the, um, you call it, laser eye head which is where they're battling with the where, where zod's tearing the building apart with his laser vision uh heat vision laser vision whatever you want to call it we call it heat vision but it's more than that and there is a be common called batman on the uh on the wall in there uh just really small you got to really you might have to like even stop the movie yeah. to see it but it's definitely in there that's blu-ray stuff yeah and that's basically like that's also dean egg who worked on the dean egg is the visual effects company here in london that worked on all the dark knight movies and they definitely, you know, they did that. Yeah, they thought like, oh, that's, and I was like, that's awesome. And obviously the bit that where I just went, oh, I was like, hats off was obviously the satellite. Mm. We only catch up, we catch on two run paths. Two, yeah. And it's just the symbol and you can kind of see it. It says Wayne, it does say Wayne underneath, but it's just, you can see half the word. Yeah. Well, for me, that was a couple things. I really just wanted to say in the DC universe, in this DC universe, and whether or not it's the Wayne Enterprises of, Chris Nolan's movies or whether it's the Wayne Enterprises of DC in general, mm-hmm. that's also yet to be seen. But that particular reference was there for me to say also to Chris, like, thanks, you know, for helping me out with this. And, you know, you're awesome and cool guy. And I just want to say that I appreciate it. Right. Mm. But it also means for me that, you know, Batman's out there somewhere. Yeah, there is a Batman. There is a Batman, and he's out in the world somewhere. Yeah. You have the polar bear. It made it into a Superman movie. Yeah. John Peters got his wish. Unfortunately, there was no battle. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I had drawn that. When I was drawing the storyboards, I was laughing to myself, and I drew a whole drawing. I did. We did a dolly shot originally. We didn't shoot it, but I had drawn it as this like dolly move where we're like with a polar bear, and he's lumbering across the the ice flows and he finally like he jumps a couple and then he leaps one and then and it proved to be a lot more difficult to photograph than i had imagined and and i didn't definitely did not want to do a cg polar bear right i said no way it's gotta be a real polar bear and so that footage is imax footage that we got from this imax documentary about the polar regions and then we just we talked to them and they let us use it you know they spent like six months on a Russian icebreaker looking for polar bears and we just weren't going to do I mean it would have been we we had it worked out that we were going to bring the polar bear we're going to put all these ice floes on stage (laughs) and shoot him on stage with a green screen behind him and we were training him physically to leap you were training a polar bear yeah to jump from ice flow to ice flow and uh but also it's super dangerous to film i'm like there's only one guy who has a polar bear in canada and i think i've seen the video of that guy yeah yeah and he was like you know you can't as we talked about it it got more and more dodgy like he's like okay it sounded really easy at first he was like oh yeah we'll just you just put him over there and jump and then he's like okay but no one can be in the room 
and you have to put these electric things around everybody because he won't, so he won't murder everyone. And I was like, oh, okay, so wait a minute, is this fellow really trained? Is it like uh, dangerous? He's like, oh no, it's not dangerous. I mean, unless of course he sees you or you know sees something shiny or a flash of light or something. I'm like, that's easily ha-. on a film set that happens all the time. He goes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there is a chance he could maul us all, but. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we, maybe this is not what we should be doing. Anyway, so then we found the footage, so it was okay. And it all worked out. And then yeah. you got the logo of the, uh, is it Arctic Cargo? The yeah, Arctic Cargo, yeah. Yeah, I thought I spotted that. I went, oh, there it is. But then you <laughs> gave me the actual bear. <laughs> the other thing, the huge thing for me, that kind of oh wow moment is seeing Clark get into the lift at the end, push the glasses up his nose. You know, was that something you really worked really hard on to get just right? Get the timing just right. Yeah, I yeah. really just wanted you to just get a glimpse of it because really in the end of the movie is the beginning, right? Because he's, he's just mm. at the Daily Planet. Has become the Superman that we know. It's almost Clark Kent origins. It is. It, it, that's, that's really a nice way of putting it because for me, that's what it was all about. It was like you, you – and we could have started this movie – with that scene. Mm. Like he literally could start a movie with him getting off his bike and getting in an elevator, putting these glasses and coming up and having, you know, Perry White go, guys, this is our new stringer, Clark Kent, you know, and having Lois say, welcome to the planet. And what then line. the movie could start, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great line. And um, yeah, it was in the first draft of the, of the script I read. So like, originally the first draft had a kind of flashback type thing or... Yeah, it did actually. It did. It actually had more of it even on Krypton. There was like the, the structure of Krypton was crazy. Mm. Um, and we kind of linearized that because it was like it was like the birth and then it was like all these flashbacks within flashbacks and the timing of Zod's approach. And there was like a... There was a bigger battle that okay. I had that I had designed on the landing platform and we shot some of it but it got for budgetary reasons we made it smaller and smaller and then it got to the point where i was like ah let's just have the battle inside because he has this robot who's like you know kelex and kilor and there was a scene where kelex dons a artificial body that is like robotic body and they battle out on the landing platform and we had we'd actually had had zod had these like this pack of um sort of genetically engineered sort of like war dogs that like leaped off and like ran ahead. And he, you know, Elex and he were fighting the war dogs. And finally, Kelex like takes these like detonation, like explosives out of his robotic body, arms them and says like, you know, save the, he turns to Jarell and says like, get the kid off. Basically, I'm going to, I'm going to try and hold him off. And then he just runs and dives in one of those drop ships and blows himself up and and that makes like Zod really mad because Zod's still circling, and then he lands, and then they, then they, Zod goes in and they fight. So I gather there were hidden symbols and, and meanings to this is what David Escoy was telling me to the walls and the encryptions of the Kryptonian language, and you really went to town on on, on the language. Yeah, there was a great um, one of my favorite quotes is this Joseph Campbell quote that says, and it's basically on the walls inside of there. There's a bunch of like you know the sort of classic Superman poetry about like you know. I am the son of uh, uh, Ra-, Ra and blah, blah, blah. All the kind of mm. classic, uh, you know, where he talks about, you know, the different moons and all that stuff. And then there was this, there's this Joseph Campbellian thing that I love where he says like, which I felt like was really appropriate to Superman, where he says, um, where I thought to find an abomination, I found a God. Where I thought to slay another, I slay myself. Where I thought to travel outward, I travel to the center of my own existence. And where I thought to be alone, I shall be with all the world, right? That's this, like, uh, Joseph Campbell says it about, um, 
you know, sort of the hero's journey, whatever. And I always thought it was super appropriate for Superman because it's, it's really like that's his whole story in in, in a nutshell. And uh, so we put that. That's also in Kryptonian on the walls inside the, uh, inside the. Right. So you have a scene where Superman kills a man, not in cold blood, obviously. Mm. Can you tell me the thought mm-hmm. process to deliver that? Because that was an incredible moment. Yeah, I, I guess for me, and, and and I, in the original version of the script, he just got zapped into the Phantom Zone. David and I had long talks about it, and and Chris and I talked long about it. And I was like, I really feel like we should ki- kill Zod, and I really feel like Superman should kill him. And I, and the why of it was for me, I go, if it's truly an origin story, his aversion to killing is unexplained it's just in his dna and i felt like we needed him to do something just like him putting on the glasses or going to the daily planet or any of the other things that you're sort of seeing for the first time that you realize Mm. will then become sort of his thing i felt like if we could find a way of making it impossible for him like you know kobayashi maru totally no way out um, sorry about the dorkiness there. Um, you were in good company. I felt like that could also make you go, okay, this is the why of him not killing ever again, right? Like he, he's basically obliterated his entire people and his culture mm. and he is responsible for it. And, and he's just like, I can't, how could I kill ever again? Even though Zod says to him, like, look, there's no way this ends without like, what are you going to do? Put me mm. in jail? Like, I don't know what you're going to do with me, but I'm going to just keep doing this until you stop me. I'm engineered. Yeah. Like I'm just a killing machine and that's what I'm going to do now. And especially now when I've got, like I had a, I had a task before, which was to rebuild Krypton, mm. but you've robbed me of that task. Like the task is gone. There's no chance of the task. So now what am I going to do? All I am is a killing machine. So I'm going to start doing that. And I, and I just felt like it was, we we were able to create like this. I wanted to create this, this scenario where you really Superman he's, either he's going to see those people get chopped in half, or he's gonna, or he's got to do what he's got to do. And, and and I think Zod knows that. It's like it's almost like you know suicide in its way. In a way, it is. It's like death by cop. You know, in a way, it's like he. I think he knows. Like there's no. If 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 I think in my mind, it's like if if Cal has the ability to to kill him, then that's the, a noble way for him to die. It's like that whole, like a good death is his own reward sort of exactly. concept in the movie. And I think that that for me was, you know, and, and also I think, it, and if there were more adventures for our, for our, our, for Superman to go on, you then are also given this thing where you don't know a hundred percent what he's going to do. Like, I think that when you really put in stone the concept that he won't kill and it's totally in stone, it really erases an option in the viewer's mind. Now, I think that doesn't mean that he doesn't now have a code that he's like, okay, I just can't do that. This has got to be outside of my existence. I got to find another way if, if that's how it is. But again, you'll always have in the back of your mind this little thing of like, well, like how far can you push him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to, like if he sees Lois get hurt or if he sees something like, or his mother get killed or something like, you just made like a really mad Superman that we yeah. know is capable of some really horrible stuff if he wants to be. My thoughts after seeing it was, he's only human. And then I went, nope, he is not. Yeah, but that's the thing that's cool about him, I think, in some ways. The idea that he has the frailties 
of a human sort of emotionally, but you don't want to get that guy mad because who, you know, yeah, he's, he's a big guy. He's yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's been so fun. Very, very, very fascinating. Um, so yeah, um, here's to next time around. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Cheers. Cheers. We have here David Escoya, the writer, one of the writers for Man of Steel, and a producer, and many other things. There must have been many drafts for this. What were you saddest to see go when you were going through the different drafts? You came up with an idea and went, mm, doesn't fit, but if only... I mean, amazingly, that not that much went. We refined things, but the, the film that you've seen is 75% what was the first draft. Um, all the big broad strokes there weren't any characters that were different or things like that there were a couple of small scenes that were cut that i don't even think zach's going to put them i don't think there's going to be a director's cut Um, okay i'm not sure he may have said something different on the dvd and i don't know if he's going to include those deleted scenes there was a tiny scene when um ma and pa kent even though i hate referring to them as that uh jonathan and martha because i i just think that's ma and pa kent is so anachronistic and one of the things that we were trying to do with superman is just get him out of that norman rockwell sort of big blue boy scout feel um there was a tiny scene in which they take uh, a, um i think he's six months old uh, cal to the doctor because he's behaving in a weird way and they do this um because his 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 super senses are starting to kick in and they do this test where they, um, which they do with newborns, where they put these tones in their ears to check their hearing, and um, um, and they, the doctor starts sort of increasing the amplitude of the tones, and then the baby screams, and it blows out like all the windows of, like the uh, the doctor's office and the windshields and the cars outside. And it was a, it was a funny scene, but we decided that. Originally, you cut from the pod landing to that scene to um, the fishing trawler. And we've just felt it was a more dramatic mm. way to go to just get rid of, to go straight to the fishing trawler. Mm. And and also coming off the destruction of Krypton, it was a little too early to have something that was just, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so there was that. There was a tiny, tiny scene that was filmed uncut in which uh, after Lois is captured by the fbi in which they're sort of interrogating her and putting the screws to her um and she says i won't talk there was an action scene that was never filmed there they they did a um uh, a demonstration of their capabilities they Mm. they they drop some kryptonians down and, and mess up some cities they go to they drop fiora down in shanghai and she messes up some stuff and so there was like another five page action scene and oh wow but we just thought it was too much and 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 we thought that so we never filmed it we cut that one but it but uh, there's plenty of action in this film i mean some For people sure. have said there's too much action in the film you you bring the action very much home i mean one of the things that that we set out to do with this film and we we always knew that it would be even riskier than reinventing batman is because batman is is already a darker more realistic character but one of the lessons that Chris and I learned from Batman was if you're going to revitalize an iconic figure like that, you have to be prepared to slay some sacred cows. Um, 
And you have to be prepared to sort of weather the slings and arrows of some people saying that you're going to do that. And you and you have to you have to respect the canon, but constantly question the canon, because if you don't reinvent and these characters are constantly being reinvented in the comic books then they become stagnant and then they be they cease to become relevant and and we were feeling that superman and i think a lot of people were feeling that superman at least in films was ceasing to become relevant so some of the things that we questioned were um could lois shouldn't lois figure out who he is it just seemed idiotic that she couldn't she's put it surprise yeah yeah exactly but but also I I have this you know people say that a hero is only as good as his or her villain but I also think a hero is only as good as his or her love interest and if if he's going to fall in love with this woman she has to be pretty special and uh, it's it's interesting even Warner Brothers at first questioned that because because that's just the way it's always been that she couldn't figure it out and we just thought we we can't do that it's it's going to make her look like an idiot and and it and if we're trying to depict it in a more realistic relatable way and mm. i say realistic in air quotes um we had to get rid of that the underpants but also smallville i thought if we really want to drive home the sort of danger mm. and the enormity of what's happening it would be great to have the first big earth action sequence happen in smallville and have the place get pretty well destroyed so you're pretty much literally driving it home yeah literally yeah. driving it home and also also we wanted to make it personal yeah. and we thought the bad guys, you know, Zod, they 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 figure out where he is. Mm. And also buried in that is the implication that I don't know if you guys got this when you saw the movie is in our minds, Zach, Zach and my minds, um, Deb, we think there are people in Smallville that know his secret mm. that, it, that that share like Pete Ross, uh, you yeah. know, that, that share that secret. I was wondering whether it was always Zod. I know that this yes. this didn't arrive to you in a dream, obviously, but no, no, no. It was always odd. It was all. It was always odd for two reasons. One, we Zach and I, and and this is even before Zach, Chris and I, we we wanted we wanted to make a science fiction film. We wanted to take Superman back to his roots, and we wanted to come up with a threat. One of the things that always bothered me, and I adore the Donner films, was he you know he goes into the Fortress of Solitude and then he just comes out in that costume. And just starts wearing that costume and flying around wearing that costume. It's it's one thing to sort of, you know, emerge with these superpowers. It's another thing to possibly help people. But why put on the costume and make a public statement about it? Uh, I'm serious. And so the, the thinking behind this film was if he's going to do that, his, his coming out, if you will, has to be a really big event. It has to be something, you know, earth shattering. It always also bothered me that people glossed over the fact that he's an alien. And I had said to Chris Nolan early on that even if he had no superpowers, if the world found out he existed, it would be the biggest story that happened in human history. And that meant a first context story, and that led us to Zod. Zod was also important because I wanted it to be a story about two fathers, and Zod is a link back to his Kryptonian heritage, his lineage. You know, Zod at one time was friends with Jor-El, and so there's... I, I wanted the fate of the world to rest on, or we wanted the fate of the world to rest on, in effect, which heritage he was going to choose, you know. And and we wanted to give him this Sophie's choice. You can, you can have the human race, or you can have, you know, because he could have resurrected Krypton on Earth, 
and and they could have turned Earth into Krypton, and he could have had that world back, and and we wanted him to have to choose between the two. Mm. Hence, oh, you get that I think from just that the agony of that cry when he when he does kills Zod, yeah, which, he, which must have been another Zod big, was a yeah killing Zod was discussion. a huge one. I mean, but yes, there's a sadness in. Yeah. In that, because he's he's literally killing the last of his kind. He doesn't want to do it. And we've always said that Zod is not a villain. He's an antagonist. You know, Zod is doing what he thinks is right for the Kryptonians. Killing Zod was a big thing, and that was something that Chris Nolan originally said. There's no way you can do this. Uh, that was that was a that was a change. Originally, Zod got sucked into the Phantom Zone along with the others, and I just felt it was un, unsatisfying, and so did Zach and we started questioning. We talked to some of the people at DC Comics and said, do you think there is ever a way that Superman would kill someone? And at first they said, no way, no way. And we said, but what if, what if he didn't have a choice? And, and originally Chris didn't even want to let us try to write it. And, and Zach and I said, we think we can figure out a way that you'll buy it. And so I came up with this idea of the heat vision and these people about to die, and and I, I I wrote the scene, and I gave it to Chris, and he said, okay, you convinced me. I buy it. And I think it's a shocking... I mean, I've seen the film with an audience about four times now, and everyone always gasps when it happens. They don't see it coming. And um, I think it, it makes some people feel uncomfortable. Other people say, right on. But that was the point. And hopefully what we've done with the end of this film is we've gotten people to the mainstream audience, not the geek audience to question. We've hopefully we've redefined Superman. For sure. And jumping back to the um, alter ego, Clark Kent, Superman, when he puts his glasses on, he's a different person type thing. Obviously we sidestepped it in this movie. You did. And it quite, quite delicately, but come the end you're trapped. I feel maybe not trapped. I mean, obviously you're the professional writer. You mean if we do, another movie yeah because he's in a room full of journalists he's been you know the savior of the universe how do you dance the dance it it, it we were conscious of the fact that it obviously we it it's not an issue with lois moving forward she's his secret keeper and and part of the fun for us if we do move forward is is they will be involved in a real relationship and she'll be she would be part of that maintaining that secret yeah maintaining that, that fiction um, but you know, it, it will, part of the fun of doing things like this though, um, and Chris has always said this is sometimes you write yourself into a corner, but you have to follow it to its logical conclusion and then see if you can figure a way out of it. So I think that Perry's not an idiot either. Perry saw, Perry knows they have a connection. Perry saw them kiss, you know, at the end of the film, we're very aware of that. And so one would presume that moving forward, Perry would say, what's the deal here? You know, um, so if the film is embraced over the next few weeks and and we formalize things, um, that's something we plan to follow up on. There's also an issue here, I think, which, which I think the, the film explores quite well, which is that Superman's not here to do everything himself. He's here to sort of inspire humanity to yes. be better and do better. Well, that was a big point, especially with having the American military take part, sure. you know, in the fight as well. But I, and, and also, well. no, you know, you've got essentially got Toby Ziegler saving the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that the, 
we wanted we wanted the humans to be integral in the plan. We wanted it to be a twofold plan, and we had to go through some gymnastics in order to pull that off. That you know, Superman has to take care of the world engine, while the other C seventeen is you know flying the pod towards the black zero. But but he can't do everything, and we wanted the human beings, whether it be Lois, whether it be the military, exactly to to be part of the solution. And another thing that we would hope to follow up on is 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 you know which is something they've tried to do in the comic books is you know what does he do about world hunger or what does he do about genocide and and i mean that you know in rwanda or you know who know you know you know for me part of the fun of of reinterpreting these characters is 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 saying what if one thing and this isn't a detraction to the film but I was looking forward to a Superman montage where he saves loads of different people across the world. Like, that's one of the things I love about Superman movies and just Superman generally. It's him going, right, well, there's a flood here. I'll go solve it. Well, we, I mean, the, but you have to remember, this is sort of Superman Begins. And, and he, we see him saving kids in Smallville. We see him saving those guys on the oil rig. And we presume Lois refers to other incidences yeah. in the past when he's been doing that as this kind of anonymous savior figure. But but once Zod attacks, you know, a couple, a couple of people have taken us to task saying, you know, well, once Zod attacks, there's not a lot of humor in it. And I'm like, well, it just, it didn't seem appropriate given, you know, people cutting jokes during 9-11 or something like that, that that it just didn't seem appropriate that there there's some humor before there's some humor after. So again, moving forward, perhaps that's something, you know, this, this is not, this is a movie where the world learns that he exists and he decides to assume the mantle of Superman. So by the end of the film, when he has that scene with general Swanwick, you know, in our minds, the world, you know, has only been aware of Superman of Cal, I don't know, even by the end of the film, a month, yeah. you know, something like that, three weeks. So it's, it's, it's that, that, that sort of montage that you're talking about can't really happen yet. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it, it presumably would happen in another film or in between the next film. Sure, exactly. And I've got one last thing to talk about, which is a certain Mr. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> there are parallels here. How will the... Which we didn't... We weren't the first people to draw. No, absolutely not. Not, not at all. Um, 33 years. It was intentional. Intentional. Were there others that I didn't pick up on? Although I want to be quick to point out that Superman was created by two Jews. Uh, and so as, as much as there are parallels to the Christ story, there's also parallels to the Moses story. I mean, they literally put their son, you know, in a bassinet and send him to another world. It's the ultimate immigrant story. I, I think that it's a it's a savior story and it's got Old Testament and New Testament roots. But it was very deliberate. I, I wrote in the script he's thirty three years um, old. He he surrenders himself to humanity and humanity turns him over, you know, to the quote unquote bad guys. We just thought for decades people have made those parallels, and you know, you know, I myself am Jewish, but I. We just thought, why ignore it? Why not mm. lean into it? You know, um, I wrote that scene in the church where, you know, we're presuming that Clark grew up 
Methodist or Lutheran or something like that. And, and so that's Lutheran, (laughs) (laughs) but it would make sense that in this moment of doubt, he can't really, there's absent his mother. There's very few people he can talk to about it, that he might go into a church for solace or something like that. Um, yeah. Why not lean into it? And a couple of other, um, icons get, I guess, sort of name checked. Wayne Enterprises, LexCore. Are you tying the the universe together a little bit? The intention is that, I mean, to a certain extent, Zach and I did that. Actually, I didn't even know about the, he, he slipped the Wayne. The design <laughs> thing, one right? in, Yeah. Uh, the LexCore one was in the script, but the, the Wayne one, I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but, but the, A, Zach and I are big fanboys in that regard, in a way that Chris isn't. Uh, um, but, and so Zach and I will sometimes reference, I mean, we can cite, certain covers or, you know, certain artists or things like that, that in a way that Chris just isn't into that. But in our minds, this would be sort of, you know, ground zero for, uh, no pun intended, for, for, you know, a greater DC universe, that this is, this is a shared universe. And so we're saying, yes, Lex Luthor exists in this world. Bruce Wayne exists in this world. Uh, we mentioned Star Labs. And so the intention is if the film is well received that this would be the starting point for introducing, you know, other characters and ultimately obviously Warner brothers hopes there will be a justice league film. And, and perhaps you might start seeing, you know, other characters appearing in each other's films. Um, I think in some ways they're interested in sort of going perhaps the opposite direction that Marvel's done, which maybe do a group film and then spin off. I don't know, Mm. but it all depends on your readership. It does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, or your listenership. Or, yeah. The everything ship. If, um, they, if, if they, They've got to see the film two or three times. Empire Raiders, your duty is clear. Um, David Escobar, thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for our Man of Steel spoiler special. Join us on Friday for our regular podcast. And our next spoiler special podcast is likely to be, unless we tackle Pacific Rim, The World's End Ooh. on July 19th. So join us for that. Why don't you? Until then, it is goodbye from Dojo. Goodbye. A-plums. Goodbye. Helen O'Hara. Goodbye. I think it's the apostrophe that screws up the Kryptonian name for you. Well, I just I just replace it with it. Well, it'd be Hellho, wouldn't it? Hellho. Yeah, that's another reason why it I would not be Hellho. And it's goodbye for me. <laughs> <laughs>